0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton. I am joined by my dad, Pops, as I call him, Gary Tucker. Pops, how you doing? Wonderful. Wonderful. So for the past few years, I've been contemplating the man I want to become, spurred on by something that you had said to me uh, and in just a few words. And I had decided that the man I wanted to become had very little to do with work or accomplishment, but everything to do with character and integrity virtue duty responsibility and so i started to put to paper how i was going to become that kind of man what daily actions i was going to uh, put into practice habits what i believed what i valued what i was going to give my time and energy to and especially in the last year i felt a burden for men men who didn't have the privilege of a father asking them a simple question like son what kind of man do you want to be And as I kind of survey our cultural landscape, it seems to me that we have a crisis among men. Men who don't know who they are or who they want to become. Many young men are stuck in searching for pleasure at any cost. Some who can only identify themselves by what they do for a living or various other things. And meanwhile, there's children all over the U.S. who are declining in multiple measures. And I think that this societal fallout and decline in many regards is because we don't have many men of character, strong, valiant men who stand up for what is right, who do their duty as men to their family and to their children and their local community, especially, especially in their family. And what I see is many men who have shirked their primary responsibilities or aren't even aware that they have primary responsibilities outside of work. But... I also see many young men in my work who are eager to become good men, men of renown and men of virtue, men of responsibility, and there's a hunger there, and I think you and I can help. So during this podcast, this little audio project, we'll talk about all those aspects and many more, but for now, I want everyone to get you get to know my dad, who is the greatest ordinary man I've ever met, and ordinary is important, and I say it intentionally, I can measure Pop's greatness not only by the content of his character but by the sons he has raised at least two of them my younger brothers the impact he's had in his business and his and in his church which he's been committed to for over 40 years not to mention my wonderful mother who he's been married to for 37 years and I can say with full confidence if every man in America imitated my father we'd have a very different country so Pop's thanks for joining me on this podcast adventure Stop crying. Dad's a crier. I'm not. We don't really know what we're doing. We're sitting in our babies, soon to be babies, nursery thing, surrounded by a stroller, a mattress, pillows, and a jeep cover. We don't really know what we're doing. I've said that. That's for sure. But this is as close as we get to soundproof, and so we're just gonna hit record and see what happens. Now, before we start, before I ask you who you are, what's your life story? If you don't mind, I'd like to establish some credibility with our audience, all three of them, and I'd like to honor you and brag on you for your accomplishments from my perspective. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Are you sure there's three? Three people listening? Yes. No, there's probably two, and that's you and me. (laughs) All right. You coached me in Little League Baseball for eight years, correct? Yes. Simultaneously, you were the scoutmaster for Colin and Dylan. Correct. Correct. You've been married to mom for 37 years. Yep. And as far as I remember, you never missed dinner or breakfast mm. or a sports game or an event. And if you did, it's like one. And it's you didn't have a pattern of missing things. You were very present. Yes. And on top of that, you ran your own business for 27 years without letting it dominate your life. Yes. You, were, you weren't scrapped for time or anything. You also served as a deacon and as an elder at your church, which you've been a part of for 40 years. So one might say you're really, really loyal. Yes. That's a long track record. And that's the big stuff. It's the stuff that every man can do, should do. You gave yourself full, fully to inglorious living, and in my life, Colin's life, Dylan's life, our spouse's life, mom's life, and countless others are better for it. So, Pops, thanks for being the man that you are. Now it's soon to be 63. And we should probably do an episode or two about mom. because. Mm-hmm. We know who the real hero of our family is, but of this is a podcast for men. It's my mother in- law <laughs> your mother in-law's the real hero, miss well, christine Murphy
1: yes yes hey. she, she was surprised at at uh, you know bef- behind every good man is a surprised mother in law <laughs> Susan, that's
0: my mother- in- law if you're listening. <laughs> I hope you're surprised um all right, so pop's first thing. We all want to know who you are, what's like the 30,000 foot overview of your story from childhood till now. What do people need to know about you?
1: Hmm. Well, I was born in the panhandle of Texas in 1958. I was born the same year they came out with the hula hoop. That is my claim to fame. No way. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Suddenly your 40th birthday party makes way more sense. Yes. yes. Okay. It makes more it. much more sense. Uh-huh. So, um, I lived in 13 different places before I was eight moving. My dad was trying to find work mm-hmm. and, and feed three boys. And, and at that time in my, and my mom. So we moved back and forth from the panhandle of Texas to New Mexico, back to panhandle, back to Mexico, New Mexico, back to the panhandle Texas, then to Colorado, then to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then to Montana. And then to all over, all over. Woof. Yeah, uh, so life was very crazy. Uh, we were dirt poor. In fact, dirt was richer than we were. Um, but we didn't know any different. And you know, it was a time where you just—it um, was survival. You, it, when we were in Montana, we didn't know that we had that we were only had one channel, and we didn't care because that's just how it was it's in, just in it the was. '60s. Yeah. So um, anyway, fast forward. Got to, got to Denver. We we stabilized. We moved twice. <clears throat> uh, family blew up when I was sixteen. That was my sixteenth birthday present. Was a di- the divorce of my family, and my mom and dad, and and then I. Um, this is the hard part because when my folks divorced, I moved in with my dad. <clears throat> and we were more like roommates than father and son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was more interested in uh, hurting my mom through trying to get um, custody. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Custody of my brother and sister, my younger brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, you know, from 16 to when I graduated from high school, pretty much alone, you know. Um and so when I turned 18, three days after I turned 18, I left home and went 800 miles to the south to Dallas, Ir- Irving, Texas. And I lived there a year. And it, that was my first real desert experience. Mm-hmm. Um, survived that, came back to Denver because Denver is home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I got a job. It <clears throat> really started... You know when I was in Texas, I really started looking at the future more and more as what kind of man I wanted to be because mm-hmm. i I saw what was there with with my dad and my mom mm-hmm. uh, by this time, both my brothers were divorced mm-hmm. uh, having only been married a couple of years and had had children, and you know now children were going to grow up without uh, you know a good family situation mm-hmm. so I started studying about what makes a good man, good, what makes a good husband, what makes a good family. And uh, I knew that when I looked at it, my dad, my two brothers had no direction in life. Mm.
0: You said that to me a lot.
1: Yeah. So I started thinking about, seriously about what kind of direction. And I knew I could not invite anybody into my life without direction.
0: I remember you said it to me when I was like 24. I was like, I just want to be married. And you're like,
1: son, you don't got direction. Yes. You can't you get married. You did not get <laughs> no. direction. Like you were going in circles. No. Thanks, Pops. For and, and it really wasn't even good circles or concentric no. circles. It was it's kind of like that commercial with the, the Geico commercial. The guy is, is supposed to be um, striping the line for baseball. Uh-huh. And he's really on his motorcycle going through the mountains, and that—that's how you were in 24. But back to my story. This is my story. Yeah. Um, there were several times I could have gotten married. There's, you know, that I thought about it, um, but I decided no, I don't have direction. Mm. So I came back again from Texas after being back down there three years working with my dad um, and finding actually my career as an electrician down there. And it was, I knew it was time to come home, back mm-hmm. to Denver. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> came home, and one of the first people that I met back at church was your mom. Hey, it was our first Sunday, right? We both placed membership at Lakewood. The, that, that's at, like the first of April. Okay. Um, funny story about that is I didn't think I could handle no handle. I didn't think I was good enough to be to even date your mom cuz within a month after I met her, she had taken a trip to Hawaii, mm-hmm. she had pretty much a brand new car, mm-hmm. um just all these things. Oh, wow. You know, cuz I'm still dirt poor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so mom's yeah, living it up. She's living up, but you know, perception They say perception's reality. Perception's not reality. I was just a total idiot then. Um, But we started dating on on June 26, 1983. We got married in 1984. We have been married since then, uh, 37 years, like you said, Mm -hmm. and have had the privilege of having three wonderful boys instead of four awesome daughters. Which you wanted. Which I thought I wanted. Thought you wanted. Until I really, you know, thinking about it, no. I needed to be the father of boys. Mm. That's good.
0: That's great. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about your story. One of the things that's great, Stephen Mansfield says this all the time, you need to know your heritage because there's so much wisdom that you can pull from your heritage. So your father's story, your grandfather's story. And so I appreciate you sharing. I know you've shared a lot of that stuff with me over the years, and maybe we'll have people like write questions or whatever to ask you some more specifics, but you ran that business for 27 years as a master electrician, mm-hmm. married to mom 37 years. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, so you had mentioned you had started to think about what kind of man you wanted to be, what direction you wanted to go. You were, at that time, what was it, 23, 24, but you would started when you were 18. 18. And then when I first left kind of, home. Yeah, when you first left home. Okay, so you probably had quite a while. You got married at 25, correct? Yes. So seven years before you got married to kind of get some direction in your life, kind mm-hmm. of decide. During that initial seven years, what kind of vision did you have for the man you wanted to be? Like specifically, like what kind of husband, what kind of father What in your work? Like what did it look like near the beginning? Like of a, So like when I'm looking at my personal vision, I have like the things I value. What I believe about God, people, work, money, marriage, family. I think about, uh, I pull a verse from, it's First Samuel chapter 16, the description of David when he's first met. He's mm-hmm. a, man of val- a man of valiance, man of war. He's skillful in what he does. And I like pull from that. I'm like, I want to be like that. But I'm still, I'm almost 30. So I've got kind of a naive vision. I haven't had any real life challenges yet. Got a daughter on the way, but you've had challenges,
1: but you know what, you know, what yeah, I mean. I know yeah, I've i know I've what had single mean. person challenges, yes, single person, but you had to, you know, one of the things that, that you almost, or you, you were thinking about, and I almost did, I saw my family do it, is you jumped into a relationship or thought you might've wanted to jump in a relationship without knowing those things. Yeah. And it has taken you a while to get to know those things. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you never stop reevaluating those things, yeah. re-educating yourself right. on those things. So, totally. and you know, the vision that I had at 23, 24 is certainly different now after being married yeah. 37 years. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things that, that I knew I wanted to do as a Christian man Was make sure that my life was based on what scripture says as a Christian Mm. man, yeah. Um, that you know, when when, in in, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians 13, when Paul talks about be a man, Mm. um, yes, and to be a man of God, you have to emulate. Paul as he emulates Christ so you just skip Paul and you go straight to Jesus <laughs> and that just makes life easier you yeah. know, you see how he treated people mm. um, you know whether it's the, the woman caught in adultery and the tenderness that he dealt with her or the woman who had the blood issue or the woman who had just lost her son and mm. he stopped the the funeral procession and he mm. killed her or brought him back to life Or how he dealt with the Pharisees Mm -hmm. and woe unto you, you Pharisees from Matthew 23. So he knew what he believed. He knew what he was about. I wanted to be like that. Yeah. And, you know, culture, as you well know, culture tells us all these other lies. All the time. And you know, I remember uh, we read that book, "The Artisan Soul," a few years ago for Crit, mm-hmm. for book club, mm. and uh, the author uh, McManus. One question that he 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 put in there was, "When God said to um, Adam and Eve, who told you you are naked?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who told you that you're worthless? Who told you that right. you know?" So, culture in in proxy for Satan. Tells us what we should be
2: mm.
1: when scripture has a completely different mm. picture. Yep. I have heard men, I have heard wonderful psychologists and, and other people say that men get their self-esteem from their work. Mm. I don't think I believe that anymore. Mm. I think they get their self-esteem when they answer God's call mm. for whatever their life story is. Right. That may be work. It encompasses more than work. More than work because you have to be, I mean, you think about everything that you need to be uh, a good father or certainly uh, actually a good son first Mm -hmm. to to God, Mm -hmm. a good son to your parents, a good Mm -hmm. husband to your wife, Mm -hmm. a good father, a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can worry about work somewhat. Yeah. Um, There's so, I mean, everything before work is relationship. Yeah. And work can be a relationship, because mm-hmm. certainly you want to work with people and and be a person of integrity at your work and stuff. Yeah. But to make work the primary goal of where you get this quote unquote self esteem. Yep. Is just I think it's wrong. Yeah. In my life, it's wrong. Yeah. Um. But I'm not. I I I think it's wrong for all men. But yes. and I think we're just confused because yeah. we believe the lie.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, that's. I think that's very practical and ancient wisdom. Paul said that, like he says, if you can't provide for your family, which doesn't just mean financially, like provide in all sense,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you've denied the faith. And we're going to talk about God because men need God. Men need God. And but even uh, and I'm going to talk about Theodore Roosevelt on this all the time because I just think the man he was was amazing. But he has this quote that I like read multiple times a week, where he talks about that. He talks about the importance of work, but he then finishes that quote by saying. All of these things are as dust if the ordinary man, which is why I use the word ordinary, is not committed to the noble task of being married to one woman and putting giving himself over to the responsibility of raising good children. He says the rest mm-hmm. of it's like dust right so there's like Paul, who's really, really old, Theodore Roosevelt over a hundred years, that's like you know the ancient wisdom from the scripture it stands. Stand, it has stood true for a really really long time versus cultural tides that change with whatever's right current amazing so one of the things i admired about you and i just want to I've got a question especially for men who are maybe recently married not married yet or they are married they've got kids did you kind of have a vision that you wanted to be present because Honestly, I don't remember much of what you had taught us. There's like bits and pieces here that I could recall from memory, but the big thing that I remembered, and we highlighted at the beginning, was like you were present. There was never really a question of where's dad. You were just present. Did you like? Mm -hmm. Did you recognize
1: that was important? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably your dad wasn't present. My dad was not present. Um and there were times that my mom wasn't present either because mm. she was unfortunately out having an affair when I was my early teenage years. Yeah. So um <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I um I read a book by Francis Schaefer, um the 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 Bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he challenges men and church families, but mainly men, to be invested in the next generation. Mm-hmm. And he asks this question: How many times have you risked breaking the springs of your car, taking mm-hmm. children somewhere?
2: Mm-hmm
1: loading them up yeah. load, all the neighborhood kids all okay i was like just yeah bring them all and taking them mm-hmm. to church taking them so that you can have an influence in their life yeah you know and that was one of the things that we would always hope for you guys you boys mm-hmm. was that you would bring your friends to our house mm-hmm. um didn't that do that didn't work as well but it's all right i was a rebel Colin didn't do it either. Colin didn't have friends. That's uh, not true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he just didn't bring them over. He that.
1: did. No, none of you brought your friend. Well, Dylan did. He brought Dar- yeah. D- D'Artagnan and other people. But, mm-hmm. um. But I, I got from that book that there is a there is value in being present,
2: mm.
1: even if it's quiet. Mm-hmm. In 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 being present in the life of the next generation. Mm. Mm. So good. And, you know, and and I think I sent you a a deal for your baby baby as you become a Mm. dad, that you were to prepare them for a world that is not here yet, Mm -hmm. not for the world that you grew up in. Right. Mm. So you have to be, as a dad, you have to be, as a man, you have to have vision for what is coming so that you can prepare. Yeah. I have
0: two things I want to like add or comment on. One was about work, the self-esteem and work, but also, so we didn't really bring friends over in high school because you had rules and boundaries, but you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, um, when, uh, so Sean, Sean's one of my really good friends. When he moved to Ventura, he had said, I asked him like, what's Ventura like? He's like, I love it. It's kinda like going to your parents' house on a Saturday. I was like, Wow, that's a that's quite the description. And then after I'd moved home from Texas and mm-hmm. started getting plugged in at the church, I would just bring friends over all of the time. Right. So I was a little Yes,
1: you would you were late to the, late yeah, I was to about the party. Eight years late.
0: <laughs> but then the self esteem coming from work I was actually thinking about that and had written something the other day when I was kind of thinking about that when I because I was really focused on giving yourself to un, unglorious, ordinary things. There's not a lot of glory in loving your wife well, like outside glory. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no. Doesn't tickle your ego or raising good kids or anything like that. But at work, there is the temptation that you're going to be praised for promotion for your success, and that draw. That's kind of a, that's yep. a false sense of what am I going to say? A false sense of ego, a false sense of uh, self-esteem, false sense of, of your your ID. Yes. Of of your identity while work is important, but that's like, it can be consuming and it can take you away from what's really, really important. Mm -hmm. And if you imagine, I was imagining like, okay, if one man does it has three kids and neglects his wife, cultural impact. Okay. That's really sad. But imagine if half the men in the country did that. And that's actually what happens. It's like half the men, at least, I don't have any statistics for it. I'm going to guess half the men neglect primary responsibility at home. And then all of a sudden you've got a one generation fallout where you can just look around and be like, ooh, some of these people really need fathers. So good. Anything else you wanted to add about that vision when you were a young man?
1: Um so I mentioned, you know, that my that my family blew up. <clears throat> mm. And I didn't speak to my mom for 6 years. Wow. I don't think I knew that. From the time when she kicked me out of the house the last Sunday of 1974 um until I was actually into Texas the second time. And I got to thinking about one of these days, I'm going to have a four-year-old boy. Mm. And I can just imagine I'm imagine this conversation with my four-year-old son. And he asked me the simple question, Dad, why don't you like Grandma? Mm. And I had to have come up with an answer for mm. that. So I really had to start evaluating myself. Mm. And one of the things I came up with is that my absence from my mom wasn't really hurting her like I thought it was. Mm. It was hurting me. And so then I started studying forgiveness. Mm. And Mm. what does that look like? And I looked at my own life. I thought, you know what? I'm kind of like one of those guys that wanted to cast a stone at the woman.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: So I contacted your grandmother and Mm. I said, Mom, this is what's been going on in my life for the last six years. Mm-hmm. I would like to reconnect with you. You know, I initiated mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we did initiate. I don't know that we ever really regained those six years. Yeah. But living a life of forgiveness for everybody,
2: mm-hmm.
1: be it your spouse, your parents, your children, your bro- your brother, the weird uncle that you have somewhere mm-hmm. in your life, Yeah. really frees you up. Mm-hmm. To be able to go to bed at night with no regrets. Mm. So good.
0: Does our culture need anything more right now than forgiveness? Instead of vindictiveness and cancel culture <sighs> and like revenge. Is, yeah. But that, we could talk. That's another that podcast. Is, that is, that is six yeah. or
1: seven more podcasts. Yeah. But, man, that's a good word. All right.
0: <clears throat> One thing... You had told me when you were young and I thought this, I laughed. I'm probably going to laugh again, but I just think it's telling to who you are. I was like, when we first started talking about this, like dad, when you thought about who you wanted to be or what you wanted in life, what were you thinking about? And you go, I really wanted a house. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, everybody wants a house, but you're like, no, I wanted a house so I could learn to fix it because then I'm useful to people. I was like, who? You're just better than us. You wanted a house so you could learn to fix it, so you could be useful to your friends and neighbors when they needed something done. Who thinks like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I <laughs> what a I
0: dream. Um, Trade in the BMW for
1: skills to help your neighbor change a light. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, Okay, before that, I think I did mention that I wanted to be play for the Green Bay Packers. You
0: did mention that. Which who wants to play for the Packers?
1: Lots of people. Yeah. Well. You know they they were the Packers were one of the last teams to take their player the players took themselves out of the phone book in in Green Bay. Okay. Up until then, all prof- pretty much all professional players were just normal ordinary people who happened to play a sport. You could call them? Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. They were in, you know, they they lived in a neighborhood like our house cuz they didn't make tons of money. Oh. Hmm. And they had, you know, they had to have another job to support yeah. their their off-season play. But anyway, the green the Green Bay Packers were cool because they had a cool coach, Vince Lombardi, mm-hmm. who just wouldn't take any crap off of anybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and they had Bart Starr and Jerry Kramer. Jerry Kramer was probably my favorite player because he played guard, left guard for Green Bay. He survived made, uh, like six major surgeries in one year. I mean, it was just an incredible story um 6 yeah Whoa. as a, you know early in his life so he was, I mean he fought for his life mm-hmm. um but he just had such and then uh he just had such a great story um but they you know they won the first two super bowls how cool is that it's almost as cool as Tom Brady almost you know um they beat the Dallas Cowboys in in the ice bowl Which, that's always a win that's always a win you know, that was just my dream. That was who I connected with. And interestingly enough, I grew up in Denver from mm. age eight on. I didn't even know we had a professional football team because <laughs> <laughs> so, I never watched football. Mm. I just knew that I liked, I'd read mm. stories about the the uh, Green mm-hmm. Bay Packers, so that's who I liked.
2: Oh, <laughs> so
1: anyway back to or i mean that was that was sort of the emphasis for being ordinary because they were just ordinary men Mm. who happened to play a game Mm -hmm. but needed these other things and uh, i thought okay what's wrong there's nothing wrong with being ordinary no um that's what most of us get to be yeah and i look at you know i look at like today um how hard it must be to keep on the image mm. of of the hollywood stars or mm. or famous athletes mm. you know how hard their life must be because we as a culture worship them mm. the paparazzi taking their pictures at all all the times yeah who wants all of that junk yeah you can't like you can't go out to eat no you can't do anything no i mean you're constantly bombarded bombarded yeah, yeah bombarded there's no peace in your life yeah, yeah. and that that would definitely wasn't what i wanted i yeah. wanted and so and i'd lived in an apartment when i was down in irving um and they had gunfights and i thought well maybe a neighborhood with a house will be safer mm-hmm. yes yeah, <laughs> it might be safer you No, know, I think like
0: back to ordinary like with our or elected officials, if they do a bad job, we just vote them out mm-hmm. and we move on. But if like ordinary men don't do their job well, we have like societal fallout. Correct. R- r- like that, you don't yeah. really come back from. It's
1: really, really difficult. Yeah, and you well you think about though, how many how many professional football players are there?
0: Not that many. How many teams are there? thirty six teams, thirty
1: two teams, fifty five players? Yeah, not many. Baseball. Five, there's 535 people in congress yeah nine judges you know of course yeah the government or the, the president and his cabinet so i mean there are a lot of people at the very top of the tier mm. but most of life is lived in the mundane of yeah. of every day yeah on your um, street on your street so are you going to to minister to your neighbors mm. Or are you going to dream about who oh, I can impact the world? Yeah. Well, you can impact the world with yeah. the 14, 15 people yeah. that live in your neighborhood. Yeah. It was fun. Actually, when I think about that,
0: Jesus called ordinary men. He, he started did. with some business people who were fishermen, mm-hmm. a normal tax collector, a guy who was basically a insurgent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a rebel. Yeah, a rebel. Kind of like, like Antifa. Uh-huh. He's, and that's who he chose, ordinary man, to and start And a his. very
1: greedy guy to be the tra- treasurer. He did, he did do that, but every
0: greedy guy works in the treasury. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Pops. All right, how that vision that you've lived out over the last 40 years, it, you said it has changed, and I'm sure it's changed as we got older, as you gained some wisdom and some insight. How do you think you grew? What did you learn? and then i'll ask you some other questions about it like how's it changed what was important to you na- to you then that isn't important to you now you know stuff like that like how is it over the last 40 years what it what have you seen um wow well we can start with a funny example okay what is a funny example well it's funny now. You tried doing Bible studies with us because you wanted to make sure that we.
1: Yeah, we, we early, were, e- early morning devotional. 6 a.m. Monday, Monday through Friday.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, did we get up at 530? We were in high school, so we were doing weights. Yeah, you, well, you had
1: to, we had to be out the door by 6 to make it to weights by 625. Okay, so we were waking up at 530.
0: Or earlier. Or earlier. And you were trying to do this from middle school, which is hard yep. enough, all the way through high school. Yep.
1: I did. On, you could say unsuccessfully. Nope, no, no, nope, because we made it through. You made it through, all of you. <laughs> you, mom would. A lot of times we would take turns fixing your breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, mom did a very a lot of that for me, and then mm-hmm. she'd go back to bed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had we we read through some of Joe White's books. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of Joe White books, because mm-hmm. um, he was a cool teenage uh, guy. Yeah, with teenagers, um, but you know, you guys, I'd you know, we'd be reading through the book and I'd ask you a question and you go, mm. or one of you would go, mm. you know, and I never knew if you had gas or if you were answering the question or you wanted another glass of milk, so but you guys hated it, mm-hmm. well. Let me rephrase it. You and Colin hated it. Dylan liked it. Of course Dylan liked it. Dylan was just a different child. He was. Um, still is. Still is. He's the best of all of us. We know it. But, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Because you guys hated it. And I, and, but I couldn't say it was a waste of time because I had I had to play the long game. Yeah. Not the short game. Yeah. It be it would have been easy just to toss the books in the fireplace. Yeah, and well, you're on your own. But I read. I we read a book, um, raising a modern day knight, mm-hmm. and it talked about um, celebrations in the young man's life to help mm. him move on to the next phase of life, mm. and so. You know, we we did that, um, but there he starts off with a with a story of a, a congressman in Texas, mm-hmm. who is getting ready to go to college, and his mm-hmm. dad puts him on the train, and this is back in the early nineteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Dad gives him some money, get and and the, the, eighteen years old, and all he says is, "Be a man." Mm. No defining a man, mm-hmm. no nothing. Mm. So what I wanted you guys to do was to learn the de- a definition of what a man does, mm. and a man is involved with his family. A man leads his family spiritually, mm. helps build the foundation of of your life, so that you are you have a good foundation. Then, because you know teenagers are lacking in smarts. <laughs> And they don't know what's good for them. So you, but you pour into them, and that stuff Mm. is going into your subconscious Mm -hmm. and it's going to stay there. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the internet, it's not going to leave. And I knew that at some point in time, those things would become valuable to you. What's that proverb? Train Uh, up a child,
0: train up a child. Yeah. the you go and when he's and old
1: when he's old he won't depart from it. Yes. not when he's young but when he's old when he's old he will yeah. not depart from it and so i knew that at some point in time however long it took mm. what we tried to teach you as as young men mm. was going to be your foundation yeah and that you would find it again yeah it may have gotten covered over with all this other junk but you would re, you would dig it up and you'd find yeah. it so that was that's a success yeah but you You know, most people don't want to play the long game. They want instant gratification or instant results. I go on a diet. I've been on this diet for three days and I've gained weight. Chuck it. Done. Done. Calling dominoes. Yeah. Or, you know, the guys that, the folks who make the the New Year's resolutions. Mm. And in February they put Mm. the... uh, the there's gym equipment on eBay or yeah. Craigslist. Come yeah. and get it for free. Yeah, Get so it out of here. Folks are just not willing to play the long game. So, yeah. again, I was trying to teach you boys, you know, not only is this what men do, but they also there's mm-hmm. a long game. Yeah. And uh, so I just think that's important.
0: Yeah, so diligence. Persistence, diligence over time. Almost like gently standing your ground on what you believe is important. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's something to be. Diligence is going to be, is
1: huge. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like savings. Yeah. You know, a little bit every month. Or, you know, I heard this on a, on a podcast the other day. These farmers up in the northeast part of the country, <clears throat> it's really rocky there. Mm-hmm. Makes it hard to plow. So mm-hmm. as they're walking through their fields, every day if they just pick up a rock and take it over and put it on their wall, mm-hmm. in time they'll get rid of the rocks and they'll mm-hmm. have a ball. It just takes time. It just takes time. Uh, What was, what would you say, and I'm
0: almost nervous to ask this, the most challenging time when you were raising us for you? And you Um, And you can be honest, I can take it.
1: It was, you know, it was hard when you guys were, when you rebelled, because you rebelled differently. Mm. You know, you were very loud and vocal in your rebellion. Colin was very quiet but manipulative in Mm -hmm. his rebellion. Mm -hmm. And Dylan just, he finally got to where he didn't listen. Yeah. You know, that was sort of his rebellion. He just... Mm. Then, yeah. in one ear and actually, I don't even think it ever went into his ear. He just he was just nodding mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah, you got it mm-hmm. and so but um I think the hardest time for me was your graduation night when you refused to because we had family in town who wanted to see you, wanted were so proud of you that grad for graduating. And all you wanted to do was go hang out with your buddies, sit, and do oh, whatever I remember that. do whatever you and your buddies would do. Um, I actually think about that a lot. That's one yeah. of my bigger regrets. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> or that one night, I don't know which. However, this may have happened more than once, but you. And Sean and whoever else were in my were in the, the um what was that car we had? The LeBaron. The LeBaron. When we popped the tire. Popped the tire and you called Sean's mom and you didn't call me. I didn't want to get in trouble.
0: I will say, on my graduation night, there what we didn't actually have that much fun. We didn't of course and not. we didn't do anything. And there was always some sort of
1: weird blocker that kept but I don't think you really ever had fun when you were away from us.
0: No, we probably didn't. But I do remember that, night because you asked me, you were like, why didn't you just call me?
1: Yeah. And I remember being yeah. like... Okay, so, do you remember when you first started driving? Mm-hmm. And I hit the tree. And you hit the tree. And came up with an elaborate lie about it. It wasn't that elaborate. Well, it felt elaborate. It felt elaborate to a 16-year-old mind, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't elaborate. And what did I do? Well, you picked me up from wrestling Mm
2: -hmm. the next day. Mm -hmm.
0: I got into your work van. Mm -hmm. I think it was your black work van. It was my black work van. You didn't say anything, and all you did was hand me a piece of, like, a stick, a very small
1: stick. With a pine cone on it. Yeah,
0: and... And you're, I think you said, do you know where I got that? And I was just
1: <laughs> done. I, I don't <laughs> you were busted. I was busted. Okay. And do you remember what I said to you?
0: No, I don't.
1: I said, had you told me the truth, mm-hmm. I would have paid for it totally. Mm. But since, oh, yes, since, since you that. lied, you have to pay a third. Which is still, like, generous.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So for you, fast forward uh, two years, for you to be afraid to call me mm. was hard on me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I I, choo- I try not to be judgmental, again, mm-hmm. because of that forgiveness thing. Yeah. Remember, I got a ticket when I had a permit for doing 81 and 55. That's true. In my neighbor's car. Mm-hmm. 40 miles north of Denver. Mm. And had to explain all that. Mm-hmm. So I have no real right to, to, to judge, but I do have the right to encourage to yep. do the right thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> the right thing is call your dad.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is the right thing. And now I'm thinking through so many different times when I should have called. Like when I accidentally backed into the neighbor's car, mm-hmm. but I was late for work. I was like, I'll just take care of it when I get home so I didn't call anybody. There were yep. several times. That's shame on me. But hey, we live and learn. I was a hard kid to raise. I had like a lot of zeal and loudness. And you,
1: you were an extrovert in a family of introverts. I was that. And you did so
0: opinionated. No, not even. Everyone had opinions. I had everyone truth. had
1: a, everyone had strong opinions in our family. That's true. Every one of us. We just dealt with them differently. Mm-hmm. You though just came out of the womb. Even though you're two weeks late, mm. you came out with track shoes on and ready to go.
2: Let's go. Mom, who's
1: coming over today? Or, Mom, can we go over? Mom, 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 Mom. And that was all before you were two. I know. I mean, it, you walked at 10 months old. I did.
0: Like a baller. Yeah. All right, so the reason I wanted to ask you what was the hardest point, and there were a lot, there were lots of There points. were lots of hard points. You know, like you're... A master electrician who works during a housing crisis with gas prices there. Yeah. I think,
1: actually, some of the hard times also, though, um when you would disappear. Oh, yeah. When that I mean, was hard. When we, you know, we found you down at, like, I think, Belmar.
0: Yeah, in uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick, I think Dick's it was Sporting Galleons Foods. at the time.
1: So. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the time that you didn't go to school mm-hmm. and you called me and said, Dad. I need you mm. um, yeah it's just you know mm. parents have expectations for their their kids mm. I mean it's hard not to yeah you know and, and when they don't live up to those expectations of, mm-hmm. of character or yeah. um, it it's hard yeah it, I mean one thing though I can say is I I don't I don't I think we did a very good job of not living through you boys mm. for our yeah. unfulfilled dreams. Yeah. Yeah, you so. did.
0: Yeah. I hope you keep some boundaries too. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the reason I wanted to ask what was hardest because I really wanted to ask this question and I'll set it up. Male loneliness is an actual epidemic in our culture. There's a, several books written on it. One that I really want to read is called We Should Hang Out. It's written by a guy who wrote a who was supposed to write a newspaper article about men who have friends, and he found out that most men in the country don't actually have one close friend. I haven't read the book. I really want to, but there's been a lot of podcasts, especially on the art of manliness, about Mm -hmm. male loneliness. And so the question I really want to ask during those hard times is, who helped you? Because I want to know, like, who are those friends, those people around you that, like, were with you so that you didn't have to go about this alone? Because, like, no one should go about life alone. But men especially should not do life without other men and women they're just so great about making friends and being in social circles and then it seems like as an observer husbands just end up hanging out with whoever their wife's friend's husband is yeah not really developing a good friendship but like you have really good friends part of it probably from being planted in one place for so long yes but who helped you
1: um well certainly mark you know we're we're raising boys at the same time and you know one of the the absolute greatest thing that that I ever did was uh suggest to him that we he and I and some other guys and we did this for quite a while should get together every week and pray mm-hmm. you know have a time and get to know each other and and pray and Mark and I have been doing that now I mean you're going to be 30 Guys, we're just going to have to deal with it because we're
0: 47 minutes into this podcast and I'm getting a phone call and I didn't put my phone on silent. So that's just going
1: to be in there
0: <laughs> okay. and it'll
1: uh, be what it is. Yep. So um, anyway, so Mark and I have been now meeting together. Now we do it every other week on Saturday morning at, at 530 uh, for 32, 30, almost 33 years. Wow. And... You know, to walk together with another man that long who had been through the same, some of the same hard trials of raising Mm. teenage boys, uh, was just tremendous, but probably even more important than Mark was Jack Young, Mm -hmm. who, when my, when my family blew up and Mm -hmm. I moved, I went from one church to another church to Lakewood Mm -hmm. where I, where I was from 16 on. Mm um, Jack and Nani were a couple that really spoke into my life and earned the right to tell me when I was being a complete idiot. Mm -hmm. And Mm, That's important. Yes. And um, Jack was the man that I would talk to Mm -hmm. when when things were really hard, Mm. even between your mom and I or with you guys or Mm. business, because he Mm. understood those things as well. Or, you know, church issues, anything I – I would go to Jack. Yeah. So, that is what that tells me is that intergenerational is also very important. Yeah. Yeah. And so he poured into me. He's poured into you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that then tells me that I need to pour into other people, but mm-hmm. it's, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, your grandfather. Grandpa Murphy. Grandpa Murphy. Daryl Murphy. Uh, had a huge impact in my life. And when I became an elder, he had already died. And mm-hmm. I wish that he would have been around so I could talk through some other things with him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, those old farmers just had a lot of wisdom yeah. that we city folks may no. not have had. Oh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I, those, again, intergenerational. Um, and, it, I, you know, I always thought it was amazing that I could talk to my father-in-law so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a gift. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Friends is a word that I use pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of things together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But. If I need someone to spill my guts to, it's it's going to be yeah. someone that I would call a friend. Right. Someone you've known for 30, yes. 40,
0: however long you've known Mark. Who well, knows probably everything about you.
1: He knows quite a bit. Yeah. You never know everything about everybody. Well, yeah. But, but yeah. But if someone
0: were like, hey, did you hear this about Gary? He'd be like, well, yeah, he told me last Friday. Yeah. Or last Saturday. Yeah. Um. Wow. Amazing. So last thing I wanted to talk about. One thing, like things that you've learned along the way. So we're talking th- almost 35 year span here from when you like, well, longer than that, but I'm just assuming from, we'll say 25 to 55 about things you learned along the way that you either are really glad you learned or you never thought you would ever, ever have to learn. So listen, like, what'd you learn along the way? Plumbing. Plumbing? <laughs> Plumbing. <laughs> All right. And that's it, folks. <laughs>
1: Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, you uh, go, going back. You know, I said I studied. You know, how to be a good husband, good good father, yeah. and stuff. You're never ready, and even when you think you are, mm-hmm. you're not ready. Right? You're never. Re- you know, you're getting ready to be a dad. Mm-hmm. You think you're ready? Oh yeah,
0: my confidence has never been higher.
1: Yeah, until you bring that baby home, hmm. and um, you know you you'll come in here into this room and you'll put this little baby to bed, and you know on on day three when she comes home and you'll look at Chelsea and you'll say, "What in the world are we doing?" And, yep, um, you look at. Her, you look at the diaper, and, she, and the diaper is three times bigger than she is. And you think, oh, how does it fit? Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought I knew how to be a father. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew how to be a husband, mm-hmm. and I knew more about being a father and a husband in my 30s mm-hmm. than I did in my 50s.
0: Oh, some guy at church. He's one of the one of our like important like key people who attend our church. Said. We were talking about something like that. And he's like, now's the best time for you to write a parent book if you want to get after it. Write it now. You know everything. You, yep, so you, you should do. just write it now you and do. make your money. And Yeah.
1: Now, see, you're getting ready to enter what I would call the middle school of adulthood. Because mm. yeah, 30-somethings are like middle schoolers. They think they know everything mm. and everyone's talking about them.
2: Hmm. Mm. Mm.
1: Great. <laughs> middle school is not the highlight of my life. <laughs> but you thought you knew everything. Yeah. And you yeah. thought everybody was talking about you. Dad, I've always thought
0: I knew everything. Well, and I did, have always thought everyone was talking about me. Yeah. So you've always
1: been a middle schooler. Yeah, I've always been a middle schooler. <clears throat> Lots of zeal, no knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of wisdom somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, one thing that you had talk, we had talked about when we were putting
0: this together and I really loved the phrase you used you said said, what was like something that was hard that you didn't expect to be hard and you said I never would have guessed it was so hard to be married and I was like what do you mean? and he's like all of and this is what I thought was hard because like marriage itself it was what you said specifically it's like I never had to be accountable to anyone and then when I got married I had to be accountable to your mom Mm -hmm. and that was the hardest part for me and so I think there's something like for men like you're accountable to your wife for who you are in the world it's the most important relationship you'll ever have can you that's about as much knowledge as i know about that can you kind of expand
1: on like a little bit what you mean um excuse me for saying um oh that's okay my phone rang so I lived from 18 to almost 26 by myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I was 18, I had my own, I, I had my own apartment from the time I was 18 until I moved back from Texas the second time. And I lived with, I, I rented a room from, from my friend Sue Henderson mm-hmm. before your mom and I got married. So I was used to being unaccountable to anybody mm. outside of showing up for work every day. Yeah, Or, you know, if someone, you know, if I, called and say, Hey, let's go, let's go shooting or let's go fishing or whatever. Sure. We would do that. So, and my personality is such that I don't need a whole lot of human interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I need some, but I don't, you know, if, if, if I'm in my, if in my shop all day long and the phone doesn't ring, Mm -hmm. it is a wonderful day. Yeah, what's that like? Yeah. So, <clears throat> all of a sudden, there's this other person in my life, and neither one of us are going home at at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. We're going to our bedroom. Mm-hmm. And... There's something about the bedroom that is different from the rest of the house, mm-hmm. you know, because of the the intimacy, mm-hmm. all kinds of intimacy that mm-hmm. happens in there when you're yeah. downloading from the day or decompressing, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And, you know, you're, you're, su- men, you're, you know, you guys are saying sweet nothings in your to each other's ears and stuff. And, oh, gross. Yeah. <clears throat> and sharing e- with each other. Mm. If you're not used to that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and based on the trauma that I had from my childhood, mm-hmm. you know, um, my mom really hurt me. Yeah, and um, it took me. Well, I, I went to see a, a counselor a few years ago, and we were talking about this, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he he basically said, "You have trust issues with women, don't you?" And I thought about it, and I said. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. and and he said, "Oh, what you have missed." And I said, "Probably."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I will tell a lot of facts to people, you mm-hmm. know, that I, you know, and even even other women that or other people, and I get in trouble for that because I don't share that with your mom. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, as I've tried to explain to her, facts are just. Facts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What I feel Mm -hmm. is kept quiet.
2: Yeah, I don't Mm.
1: share that very very easily. So, I have had to learn how to share that part of my life, right? Um, And to come and to face that trauma Mm -hmm. and try and grow from it. And that has been an absolute hard, hard, hard road.
0: Yeah, Because believe it or not, men who are listening, your wife wants to know mm-hmm. what you're feeling. Our marriage counselor had said, what, how did he put it? He said, men, your wife can heal you emotionally if you'll let her. He said, God has designed her to do that. And if you'll let her, she will. And I don't know I'm like, I'm, I feel like I've had two emotions in my life, angry and happy and Chelsea has been a gift in helping me, like, discern different things. So, Um, but that's, like, she wants to know. Mm -hmm. They want to know. Your kids probably want to know. They can tell when Dad's not doing well. I was talking to a guy at church, and he said that. He's, like, he was talking to his daughter, and and she said, You know, Dad, Mom and I can tell when you're not happy, but you won't tell us about it. And his daughter's, like, grown and older. She's not eight. She's, like, 23 or something. And... That to me, when I hear accountability, I don't just mean like they're checking in on you, but like they want to know what's going on in your world. What's affecting you? Because they know like how you're affected in life, whatever's happening affects them. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're kind of downstream for whatever's going on in right. your, your inner world and your outer world. And
2: hmm.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. It looks very hard. Mm. Uh, especially you know when yeah. I, when I watch them pack when yeah. I watch your mom pack, mm-hmm. and I think, Wow, that would be so hard to be you, mm. but <clears throat> women, thank you for being who you are, yes, for real <laughs> like when but when you think about the role of a wife mm-hmm. if you are the man that she deserves mm mm-hmm. She will follow you wherever mm-hmm. and encourage mm-hmm. you in whatever you do. Yeah, But you have to be the man first. Right. And um, if you're not used to that or if you have been coddled or rescued, that is a hard place to find for men Yeah, because there is not – unfortunately for your younger generation there is not a lot of men in your world that can show you how to do this right in a very there's b- not biblical christian way yeah and um you know unfortunately my generation the baby boomer generation has done a lot of damage to culture church mm-hmm. culture and culture in general um because we are the generation that turned our backs on our parents morals in the f- late Mm -hmm. 50s and early 60s Mm -hmm. into the 70s and and we brought in the drug sex and rock and roll that Mm -hmm. that you guys are still suffering with Mm -hmm. um Mm. so i say that to to say that yeah there are very few men who can really help you um find your way through all of the traps Mm-hmm. That Satan is putting out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you and Chelsea, Dylan and Crystal, are, and Colin and, and Audrey are at ages where um, you're still impressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the frontal lobes have finally closed up and developed and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But, you know, you, you and Chelsea are coming up on a year. Dylan and Crystal have just celebrated a year. Mm hmm. Most thing is kind of like small business businesses most things blow up in those first five to seven years mm-hmm. so you're still you know you may find yourself checking out another girl who or chelsea may find you know and so it's very easy yeah. to 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 not navigate so be somebody be the person that your spouse is going to want to come home to mm that's a good one. Let's leave them with
0: that for this introduction podcast. We have lots we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about character, virtue, what we believe, suffering. We'll probably do a couple episodes on suffering, the desert, being steadfast and enduring, among other things. But thank you, everybody, for listening, all three of you. I hope you enjoyed this talk with my dad, and I hope you found some wisdom and inspiration uh, to become the man that God has always destined you to be. Till next time.